I know, I know, I know. Zach, it's Monday. Thank you for reminding me. Um, yesterday, I got home from work and sat down, just relaxed, got a meal in me, and um, just figured I would rather take the rest of the night off instead of, you know, just coming in like 60, 65%, you know, the way I go in, as opposed to taking the day, night off and then coming in today and talking about NXT and the May Young Classic. Just wanted to, I wanted to, I'd rather have quality over quantity. You know, I want to give you the best of me to go in. So that's why you're getting it this episode today instead of yesterday. But all that being said, I found and came across this article here from uh, F4W Online. Uh, they just added a title match to go to their card. And from what I'm seeing right now, the card looks fucking fantastic. Um, for those in the know about New Japan and be keeping up on it, uh, the Tomohiro Ishii, Minoru Suzuki rivalry in the four or five years I've been watching New Japan has been one of those rivalries where any time you watch an Ishii versus Suzuki match, it's always going to be some, something, one of the best matches on the card. And it's going to be no fucking different because now uh, the Rev Revolution Pro UK Undisputed British Heavyweight Championship match has just been added to the Power Struggle card. Um, this from F4W and uh, from Joseph Courier. A British heavyweight championship match has been added to the lineup for NJPW Power Struggle. NJPW announced tonight that Tomohiro Ishii will defend his Revolution Pro Wrestling British Heavyweight Championship against Minoru Suzuki at Power Struggle in Osaka, Japan on November 3rd, which is the day after Crown Jewel. Guess which one I'm really going to be more interested in watching? Take a guess. I'll wait. Ishii and Suzuki have been feuding in uh, NJPW and trading the championship in Rev Pro, with Ishii winning it from Suzuki at Global Wars UK on October 14th. Congratulations to Tomohiro. Before dropping the title back, Suzuki had won it from Ishii at Strong Style Evolve UK this past July. So now, here's the updated card for Power Struggle. Of course, now the uh, Rev Pro British Heavyweight Championship between Ishii and uh, Suzuki. We're seeing uh, the IWGP Intercontinental Championship. I'm yeah, it's on the line. Chris Jericho will be at Power Struggle, defending against Evil. Uh, the one uh, Chris Jericho ta- attacked him at their uh, last event, uh, Finding Spirit Unleashed, um, when it was, uh, I believe, Evil and Zack Sabre Jr. supposed to go one-on-one, and then Chris Jericho came out from one- as one of the Druids and attacked him. Thus, now we get the title match between these two. I'm excited to see that match, because A, we get Chris Jericho back, and B, Evil's going to be in a title match. And I like Evil. Of all the guys in LIJ, Evil is definitely one of my favorites. Sonata is definitely right up there, but Evil is kick-ass. And I'm not saying he'll beat Chris Jericho for the Intercontinental Championship, but I'm sure he'll put on one hell of a performance against Chris uh, at Power Struggle. We see uh, the continuation of the feud between Tetsuya Naito and Zack Sabre Jr. We also see the Never Openweight Championship on the line, Tai Chi will be defending against Will Ospreay. Will Ospreay was the one who pinned him in that six-man tag uh, that involved um, see, it was uh, Suzuki and Izuka taking on uh, Ishii, Goto, and Will Ospreay, which is right after the whole uh, Gato, Jay White thing going and the conflict going on in Chaos. So with that pin, Will Ospreay, after the match, grabbed the title, looked at the Tai Chi, uh, fallen Tai Chi, and challenged him for the uh, Never Openweight title. So that's how we got that there. Uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi and David Finley will go up against Kenny Omega and Kota Ibushi, the Golden Lovers. That's an interesting pairing with Tanahashi and Finley, but I'm sure the tag match alone is going to be great. And always seeing Omega and Ibushi tag up is fucking fantastic. Kazuchika Okada and Beretta will go up against Jay White and Bad Luck Fale. Um, when we talked about it in... Uh, uh, the last episode, uh, when I talked about uh, NGPW Fighting Spirit Unleashed, uh, Jay White became a member of the BCOGs himself, Gato and Jado, joining the the old OG subset of the Bullet Club, and uh, he and Bad Luck Fale, which is a dope fucking pairing to have, going up against Okada and Beretta. I'm excited to see this matchup, because Fale and Okada have had some really good battles in New Japan before, and Fale's definitely taken Okada to his limit. Jay White, the Okada, you know, him and the Okada feud. Now it's ramping up as we head towards uh, Wrestle Kingdom 13 in January. And I think that's going to be the match there. White versus Okada. For what, I don't know. 
but now knowing uh, that White is part of the BCOGs, it's definitely faction versus faction here. Uh, it's good to see Beretta in the match, especially now that he's jumped up to the heavyweight. It's going to be a good look for Beretta, especially if he puts on a really good performance. And of course, the finals of the Super Junior Tag League. I haven't really been keeping up on it um, as much as I'd like to, because I do like um, the tag leagues they have in there. And um, I'll try to, I, I'm sure when I have time, I'll definitely be uh, talking about that. When it comes to, I'm sure, uh, if I'm right, the winner of that match does get a junior heavyweight tag title shot, or I think more, if, uh, if it's just two guys that aren't the champions in the finals, uh, it would be nice. I'm trying to think, of, I wouldn't, I'm not going to take a guess as to who would win it, but I'm thinking maybe they'll go along the lines of Rapunky 3K winning the tournament and then getting them getting their shots at Wrestle Kingdom and then winning back the tag titles that they lost from them. It would make sense. Just something to think about there. Uh, in other news that I'm seeing here, from also from F4W, um, F4Wonline.com, they, uh, NWA had their 7th anniversary, uh, 70th, wow, 7th, wow. Story, story fucking promotion, 7 years. Okay. They had their 70th anniversary show, uh, I believe this was yesterday, and two big uh, title matches came out of it. Uh, they had the... They crowned the new first ever NWA national champion, um, and congratulations to what one of my uh, favorite guys in the Indies, Willie Mack, is the first ever NWA national champion. Um, it was really nice. Uh, really, when I, I didn't catch the show, I mean, I could have bought it if I wanted to, but you know, the way my checking and savings account is looking right now, uh, put you know something on my savings. It beats like that, but hopefully, I do I do get a chance to watch it somewhere down the line. Um, Willie Mack is the first NWA national champion under the Billy Corgan banner. Mack defeated Samuel Shaw to win the title during tonight, last night's NWA 70th anniversary show in Nashville, Tennessee. The finish came after Mack hit Shaw with, with the stunner. Shaw kicked out and went for a super kick, but Mack dodged it and hit a second stunner to secure the win. Before the finals, Shaw defeated Sammy Guevara, Scorpio Sky, and Cole Cabana to advance. Mack defeated Jay Bradley, Ricky Starks, and Mike Perro. After Mack won his match, he and Shaw had a stare down. Bradley jumped Mack after the match, which put him at a disadvantage going into the finals. The national championship dates back to 1980, when Austin Idol became the first champion. After Georgia Championship Wrestling was absorbed into the WWE in 1984, the championship was then defended in Championship Wrestling from Georgia until 1986, when it was unified with the United States title under Jim Crockett Promotions. The title was reactivated in 1997, but was declared vacant last year when the NWA terminated contract with all of their licenses. So, congratulations to Willie Mack uh, becoming the NWA national champion. It kind of looks like it kind of looks reminiscent of the uh, NXT North American Championship. Um, if you, I mean, if you look at the title, yeah, it kind of has like the red strap uh, with the, uh, of course, the picture of the, uh, the United States right on there. Uh, two eagle, one eagle on each side. I mean, the belt looks nice. It just kind of reminds me of the uh, NXT North American title a little bit, just because they have the whole continent deal. But this, I didn't see this coming, actually. Uh, in that same night, and I'm, I'm assuming if you are, uh, if you haven't seen the NWA uh, 70th anniversary show, you can skip this portion of the program and just go on, if, if you're able to, anchor and just skip it by about a minute, maybe two just, if you don't want to hear it, skip it. Nick Aldis regains the NWA title at the 70th anniversary show. I was shocked when I saw this announcement. I, I woke up this morning. Uh, what was it? Around like 10? Must have been really fucking tired. If I woke up at like 2.30 in the morning, went back to sleep at 5 something. And I woke up at 10. Jesus Christ, I was tired. But I woke up this morning and saw that. And I'm like... Wait, what? Shock victory. So uh, from F4W Online, Nick Aldis regained the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship last night, ending Cody's short run with the title. Aldis won the deciding fall in a two out of three falls bout last night in Nashville, Tennessee at the NWA 70th anniversary show. Aldis won the first fall after locking in the Cloverleaf. Cody then picked up the second fall after hitting Crossroads. In the third fall, Cody slipped out of his boot as Aldis grabbed his leg. Cody cradled Aldis in the confusion, but Aldis shifted his weight and reversed the cradle, giving him the last fall and the title. 
After the match, Cody exited the ring and left, stunned and disappointed by what had happened. The show ended with Aldis putting the title around his waist and posing. This is Aldis's second run with the with the title, originally beating Tim Storm for the C, uh, for the title at CZW Cage at Death 19 back on December 9th of last year. Cody originally defeated Aldis for the title back at All In in September 1st, holding the title for 15 days. So. First, congratulations to Nick Aldis for regaining the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship. And damn, for Cody Rhodes. I, I was thinking that he was definitely going to have a nice run with it. I mean, especially that Aldis had a long title reign with that, making the title very legitimate. It's the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship. You really can't... That's about. This is about as legit as legit gets in the business. And that's one belt I would love to buy and just, just hold. And just have it there. It's one of those... I mean, I'm looking at it now. And it's one of those belts that is just so symbolic of what professional wrestling is. And, you know, seeing in that moment for Cody at all in. Getting... Hitting crossroads. Getting the three count. Winning the title in front of that Chicago crowd. And him holding that belt. And then losing it pretty much seven weeks later kind of sucks. It would have been nicer to see him with longer with the belt. It, you know, it would have been dope. Um, if they had the NWA World's Heavyweight title... At Wrestle Kingdom. Mmm. That would have been nice. Now that I'm thinking about it, it would have been really nice to see that. You know. Maybe have Cody Rhodes, you know, get a couple of opponents. You know, maybe get one opponent under his belt. Maybe two. A couple of events. And then Wrestle Kingdom. 13. NWA World Heavyweight Championship rematch between Aldis and Rhodes. That would have been nice. That'd be nice. I mean, it was the 70th, 70th anniversary show. I understand it. Gotta have it there. And all this with a surprise victory. Hopefully they do a third. Maybe they'll do a third at uh, Wrestle Kingdom. Who knows? I would say that if you want to do high profile, you want to talk about high profile matches, and this is the, would be their third feud to end, the, to end the trilogy, you do it at Wrestle Kingdom. Why the fuck not? Why the hell not? I mean, I would love to see that when anything in this world. That, like, think of the event they're already going to have. With, with this whole, with all, with Wrestle Kingdom, you know, uh, Tanahashi, Omega, and all that. Just, I'd do it. I'd do it in a fucking heartbeat. I'd do it in a heartbeat. But lastly, I want to, lastly, before we get into uh, NXT talk and Mae Young Classic talk, I want to talk about briefly um, what happened over the weekend with uh, Tessa Blanchard. And Mercedes Martinez at the, at the they had their rise event over the weekend. I believe it was Saturday, and uh, they both wrestled to uh, which is basically now um, a record for women's wrestling. They wrestled for seventy five minutes, seventy five minutes, and uh, it was a, a sixty minute Iron Woman match for the uh, Rise of the Phoenix Championship that was held by Tessa Blanchard at the time. And they go 75 fucking minutes. Wow. And I was reading in the report that it was, that was Mercedes, that was actually, she only broke her own record, her personal record, and her longest title, uh, longest match before that was 73 minutes that she had in an event. So for these two to do what they did for seven, I I mean, I want to see the match. I definitely want to find it and watch it because... I mean, if you're going 70, if you're going to a 60 minute Iron Woman match and then going an extra 15 minutes, that's, that's definitely something to hold. I mean, just, just not even on the, like, I mean, it, I'm not even going to go amongst gender lines here because we're not going to, we're not that type of show. I mean, if you can put on male or female, you can put on a 75 minute match and make it worthwhile and keep the fans invested and all that shit. Trust me when I tell you, you have, you, I mean, you got my backing for sure. And there's nothing more with that. But, I mean, yeah, think about I mean, I know it's the indies and all that, and women's wrestling on the indies is pretty much, like, the shit. And NXT's women's women's division is the shit. And NXT UK's women is probably going to be the shit. And then you look, and uh, it it brings me back to the main roster. It's like, when you got what you see on the independent circuits in NXT, and then NXT UK. Anyway, NXT UK. And then you see what you have on uh, Raw and SmackDown. I mean, you have with SmackDown a little bit. You know, you have the Becky Charlotte thing going on. And you, I guess you're trying to build towards something. And now, 
sitting here right now, as I'm recording this, we are six days away from Evolution. You know, there's so much really good women's wrestling going on outside of what Evolution is going to be on Sunday. And then you see what WWE is doing with their women's roster, and you see the card up and down. And it just, it, I mean, some of it is good. I mean, a good, I mean, there's, if they're going to go, you know, seven matches, I'd say three of them I'm only invested in. Just three. Nothing too crazy. And which, was, which would be the Becky Lynch, the show, uh, and Charlotte Last Woman Standing match for the SmackDown uh, Live Women's Championship, the Bay Young Classic Finals, and the NXT Women's Championship between Kyrie Sane and Sheena Baszler. If that if that was the show, if that was Evolution, I'd be all fucking over it. And then, but what you have for the rest of the show, of course, the supposed main event between Ronda Rousey and Nikki Bella, which I'm still, mm, still, yeah. You have, I just heard this on, uh, I think I was listening to JD from MR206's podcast. And he heard, and he was talking about news that uh, they're adding, of course, the Riot Squad in a six-woman tag against Sasha Banks, Bailey, and Natalya. Oh joy! Um, then you have, of course, the Evolution Battle Royal with the winner getting a future women's title shot. Um, they, they added, I think, they, I believe they added some names to that. I heard Alundra Blaze, uh, Michelle McCool. They're, they're adding a couple in there, but. I'm not going to get into that until this weekend when I do my Evolution preview and predictions. It's just, you know, we could be doing some a lot better stuff with what we have. That's what I'm trying to get to. You know, with the, with the whole Tessa Blanchard, Mercedes Martinez match, that went 75 minutes. And I'm sure it was a fucking classic. And definitely one match everybody's going to go out of the way and say, you got to watch this shit. So what we're getting on main roster TV, I mean... We, we can expand some stuff. I mean, the last woman standing match for Becky Lynch and Charlotte, that's good. I mean, it's a good way to end a feud. Hopefully, they end this feud. Because, I mean, as I saw the, you know, Starcade promo on television, they're still having, uh, I believe it was Charlotte and Becky Lynch in a steel cage match for the SmackDown Live Women's Championship. But who knows? I just want, I mean, going, now hearing that news about Blanchard and Martinez... And as we're going into Evolution this coming weekend, it, it just makes me wonder what what they're trying to do going forward with the main roster. I mean, this this is I mean this is some of the best. You can have, you can have some of the best talent on this show. I mean, you're adding 50 plus women to the show, and then most of it is going to, of course, be in the battle room. So fun. But I'm rambling on here. This is episode 16 of A Young Lion's Perspective. And with that being said, let us begin. What's going on, guys? Zach from the Rose Malicious Podcast here, and welcome to episode 16 of the Young Lions Perspective, I want to thank you guys so much for checking out the podcast wherever you may be, wherever you are in the world, taking time out of your day to take a listen to the Young Lions Perspective. And of course, we are talking about NXT and the May Young Classic today, and we're not wasting any time. We're starting with NXT, talking about the NXT Tag Team Championships that were on the line. Wolf Raiders getting a shot, as announced by William Regal about, what, four weeks ago, saying that the Wolf Raiders were going to get their shot. I was really expecting a good, really good match between these two teams, and they did not disappoint at all. Now, this is actually from WrestleView.com. After evading the War Raiders crosshair for weeks, Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong had nowhere to run when it came time to defend their NXT Tag Team titles. Of course, Hanson and Rowe had no problem relishing the moment, and over the course of 20 minutes, this was actually a a very solid way to open up NXT. This contentious battle saw the War Raiders overpower their opponents with tandem attacks, including one instance where they flung strong into O'Reilly via a ring shaking back body drop. And that was a really nice moment there. Uh, they just like they literally had strong up and just threw him. And just threw him 
from right into him. That was a nice little spot. This is a definitely moments in the match where both teams definitely got their moves in. It was just fantastic to watch War Raiders because I've been keeping my eye on them for the longest time ever since they made their debut, and they have been just showing leaps and bounds. And they are one of the best teams NXT has to offer. If the matchup was far from one-sided, as O'Reilly and Strong used their razor-sharp in-ring IQ to challenge Hanson and Rose brute strength. Uh, midway through, uh, the despicable pair zeroed in on Rose's left knee, exposing a weakness that was then tenderized with a series of punishing strikes and calculated submission holes. One thing I will say about Undisputed Era is uh, the way they portrayed um, O'Reilly and Strong ever since uh, Fish had his injury. They've been putting those... They, those two have worked very well with each other. I mean, it's, I mean, when they, when you're getting new teams, new members, and you're trying to incorporate them, it's very hard for them to sometimes get chemistry. But these two, it seems like when Fish they got in his injury and then Strong became the fourth member of the Undisputed Era, uh, Strong and O'Reilly just worked so... They gelled completely, and it looked like they didn't skip a beat at all, especially with their matches with uh, Danny Burch and Orny Lorcan and uh, their past battles that they had for... For the, since ever since they've been in NXT, it's just been fantastic to watch them slowly gel together in the back, and those two bounce off each other so fucking well. And the fact that they're both technical uh, wizards in that ring, of course, strong bringing his uh, you know, going always going for the backbreaker, the end of heartache, and uh, O'Reilly with his uh, with his kickboxing skills and the way he can do some mission holes is just fan fucking tastic. So seeing that during the match, um really show them in a great light and I love the I love how they're pushing them as we go forward heading towards uh war games. Uh still the technical maneuvers weren't enough to prevent the modern day Vikings from steamrolling the rhythm of Strong and O'Reilly. Hansen nearly decapitated Strong with a clothesline, which prompted Adam Cole to appear out of nowhere, only to get tossed and into the outside by Hansen. And that was a crazy spot. Cole comes right in, tries to interrupt the match. Hansen just picks him up and just throws him to the outside like it was nothing. They continue on, a lot of a lot of back and forth. It seemed as War Raiders were about to get the tag titles. Uh, after they down O'Reilly with the fallout. Out of nowhere, Bobby Fish makes his return to NXT and hits both Hanson and Rowe with the steel chair, causing the disqualification uh, and helping the Undisputed Era retain the tag team titles. Uh, just blasted both of them with chair shot after chair shot. And uh, after, and just like that, I think, what, Fish was out for, uh, I mean, he's done promos and all that stuff, but in ring action, he hasn't really done, really done anything for months. And to see him back into the full, fully healthy 100%, uh, they're now back at 100%. Um, unfortunately for Rowe and Hanson, they do not get the tag titles. Uh, they get the win, but the uh, win by disqualification, which furthers the feud between War Raiders and the Undisputed Era. And I'm hoping... And I know there's there's spoilers that are out or whatever, and I almost read a couple of by accident trying to look for the NXT results, and I almost slipped up and fucked myself over on that one, and that would've been a bad idea for the rest of us. But there, I mean, I'm hoping somewhere down the line, maybe a War Games match, and both teams will be involved somewhere down the line. I'm not exactly sure what they're gonna do with both teams. Maybe an NXT tag team title shot. Maybe they might do. I'm thinking they, if I mean, if they're gonna continue War Games with. War Raiders and Undisputed Era. I think they might they might wait until possibly Royal Rumble and and have to take over Phoenix. That's a possibility for uh, the War Raiders to win the tag team titles there. Not exactly sure, but that's that's something I like to see. You know, if they if they're gonna be involved in a War Games match or whatever, have that go, but then extend the feud between War Raiders and Undisputed Era. And have and maybe have the War Raiders win the tag titles between War Games and NXT Takeover Phoenix, or just have them win it at Takeover Phoenix. That's where my head's at. Because if they're going to have War Raiders be the next team and they're extending the feud, I think War Raiders are next. Excuse me to become the NXT Tag Team Champions in Phoenix. In that spotlight, that would be kind of dope to see that moment there. But uh, moving on with, with the show, they had Shayna Baszler in action going up against Britt Baker, DDS. Um, this was a quick little match just to showcase Baszler in um, her road. I know that uh, this Wednesday is the NXT go, for a go-home show for Evolution for the ladies. So um, this was Baszler's last chance to show the NXT universe how much of a bad as she is. Now, from WrestleView, Britt Baker had the unfortunate task of confronting the wrath of Shayna Baszler this week, this past Wednesday. 
To make matters worse, Baszler has spent the last the past month hellbent on sending a message to NXT Women's Champion Kyrie Sane. Finding opportunity in her bout with Baker, the Queen of Spades unleashed a stern warning that was teamed with hard hits and limb twisting holds. Things soon things wow, words are hard. Every time, every fucking time I record this shit. Things soon took a turn for the worst when Baszler crushed Baker's left elbow into the mat with a devastating stomp. The same move that she's done to Dakota Kai in uh, a cornucopia of opponents she has faced since she's been in NXT. As her opponent let out a piercing shriek of pain, Baszler watched with glee while the referee ruled out Baker and declared the former NXT Women's Champion the victor. Pretty much ended this ended the match within two minutes, just stomped that arm out, and that was pretty much it. Before stepping out of the ring, she rushed Baker with a brutal knee to the face with one last burst of force. If that doesn't send a message to the Pirate Princess as she prepares to defend her title at WWE Evolution, the entire locker room has surely been worn. This is a nice little spotlight there to just keep uh, Baszler, Baszler's momentum up going into Evolution. I'm really excited for this match. I know their match at Brooklyn was fantastic between those two. And I thought that was going to be the end of, of the rivalry. But with Evolution coming up, it made, I guess, you know, it made sense to have these two face one more time, considering the fact that I believe their first, their second match being in the, over the summer was a non-title matchup. Um, it, ha- it made sense to have Kyrie win the title and then Baszler finally getting her rematch. Um, I will, I'm still trying to figure out uh, who I will predict to win it, but I think I'm leaning towards one more than the other. And it makes sense to have one beat the other. If you can figure it out, boom, there you go. But I mean, I'm, I'm curious to see what they're going to do this week with Kyrie. Uh, maybe she'll have a match this week. Maybe Baszler will come out and attack as the last matches to Kyrie. Who knows? But I mean, having Baszler just get in, get in a quick little match just to get some momentum going into it is always fantastic. Seeing Britt Baker there was was pretty cool. You know, I have her. I mean, unfortunately, in, enhance, in an enhancement role, but all the less, still getting a bit of exposure. And having Triple H just see a little bit of her, I mean, it show, I mean, when you have your enhancement talents, um, they could possibly be the future of NXT. And now hearing that, um, you know, of course, Mia Yim getting signed, Chelsea Green got signed into NXT. I wasn't expecting that at all. I heard that. I'm like, holy shit, Chelsea Green, Miss Hot Mess herself, is going to be in NXT. Of course, Matthew Riddle in there. Keith Lee's already in there. So, I mean, especially for Mia Yim coming up to Mae Young Classic. And I saw the video... Um, with me again, went last night uh, when Triple H uh, let her know that she was going to be a part of the NXT roster and work in the Performance Center um, and try to make her way into NXT. And I think there is, she's making her debut this week. I'm not exactly sure, but if, the, if that's the case, I'm definitely, of course, already invested in NXT anyway, given what's going to be what happened in the main event. But now it's it's definitely good to see, you know, the women's talent of the uh, women's division NXT getting that much more deep, you know, now adding Yim and a green and just who you have there. It just, ah, oh man, I'm telling you the women's division in NXT is just something to behold. And given what we're going to get, I hope in 2019, you know, with, you know, NXT take over war games, we're going to have NXT take over Phoenix. And then you have NXT take over New York, New Jersey, home and native, um, there it's going to be absolutely insane. Maybe they'll do a takeover in Madison Square Garden. Just a thought. Just throwing it out there. Uh, moving along, though, we had uh, the return of Oni Lorkin and Danny Burch. Haven't seen, you know, after seeing uh, them at NXT TakeOver Chicago 2 and then Lorkin getting the knee injury. He was out for a while. They make their return to NXT going up against Tian Bing and Rocky. Uh, I believe Tian Bing, I believe both of these guys were actually from, uh, graduated from the uh, PC tryouts over in China. I know Tian Bing was in, uh, a name that came out of the tryouts there. I uh, never heard of Rocky before, but it was nice. It's nice to see, you know, the international flavor in NXT. You know, of course, you, uh, so what was it? Eichner and Jowd? Adrian Jowd and uh, Fabian Eichner in a tag team. That was pretty cool to see. I saw uh, a while back, it was like um, Jowd, Eichner, wasn't Eichner? It might actually no, it was Benoni. I'm sorry, Benoni, Jowd, and uh, Kongchi, Tanara Kongchi, uh, actually, um, in a little trio. That would be nice to see going forward. Who knows? I mean, the tag team division is going to be going to be huge going into 2019. 
So this was also a, a quick little match. Um, with the eyes, uh, with their eyes on the NXT, uh, the top prize of NXT's tag team division, Oni Lorcan and Danny Birch put up a fight to match their championship desire. Going up against the talented combination of Chinese superstars Tian Bing and Rocky, the hard-nosed brawlers cracked open their brand of rough and tumble offense and took their opponents to task from bell to bell. Uh, Bing and Rocky did their best to neutralize the duo and succeeded in the early parts of the match, cooling down the jets of the Brit Am tandem with a series of impressive submission holds. I like to see, you know, even in a uh, losing effort, I like to see their the opponents, uh, the guys who are trying to come up, you know, put on a, put on a little bit of their uh, their move set for the people. I mean, Tian Bing, I definitely like where I like his uh, his look. It's a very nice look. Rocky kind of reminds me of like the old school, uh, like like a, like a Hiroshi Tenzan. He kind of has that look, you know, with the with a little bit of the mullet in the back. I like his look too, but I think Tian Bing is going to be the one guy they're going to be looking forward to going forward as far as like the international uh, superstars go. Now, uh, once Lorcan broke, uh, Lorcan broke out of uh, the wrenching full Nelson by Rocky, countered that into a sweeping clothesline. Uh, Logan, uh, at the end, Logan and Lorcan and Bird set up a double-team DDT on Rocky and picked up the victory there, thus trying to gain more momentum, trying to get back to the top of the NXT Tag Team Division. So this is a nice little uh, showcase for Logan and Birch, and also a nice little showcase uh, for Tian, uh, Bing, and Rocky to actually get some momentum. Uh, of course, you know, they're definitely PC guys, still learning the craft. Hopefully, I mean, it was nice to see them on TV. Maybe we'll get to see them more as the weeks and months develop. But we get to the main event of the evening uh, involving Nikki Cross and Bianca Belair. I was definitely excited to see this match from their last match that they had on NXT. Um, that, which ended in a no contest, well, actually in a double countout between the two. And they brawled all, pretty much in like the, the back part of the uh, crowd. Um, with and, and that ended with Nikki Cross getting on the NXT commentator's table and just taking out everybody with a crossbody to end the episode. So this was a match I was definitely expecting. So pretty much uh, Bel Air started off the match pretty much, uh, I think, what was it? Yeah, Cross bolted uh, into Bel Air. What the hell? That was weird. Tablet being weird today. Um, they picked up the chaos, picking up from the chaos left after the last brawl. Uh, Chris bolted in the uh, Bel Air with a crossbody. And then from there, they just went after each other, holding strikes. Uh, they get back, they, uh, pretty much going back and forth till they get back in the ring. Um, it was one hard-hitting move after another. Belair clock across uh, right in the face with the elbow, later executing a vicious Belair bomb. Uh, but that only got a two-count there. Belair there and picks up Cross for a deadlift gorilla press. And to see the strength of Bianca Belair, it is definitely fan- like crazy to see. The strength this girl has. I mean, I remember, I think it was uh, Charlotte. I saw on a tweet, I forget which website it was. Uh, Charlotte was even saying, you know, that Bianca Belair is a stud. You know, she's definitely the one to watch in NXT. So to get that, you know, pretty much like stamp of approval from uh, Charlotte Flair definitely means, I think that definitely means something for Belair going forward. Um, now, she had her in the uh, Deadly Gorilla Press, but that uh, attempt was thwarted by a reverse DDT by Cross. Um, uh, she failed to get the pinfall, but she then battered Bel Air with a top rope superplex. Um, when it appeared the end was in sight, the entire arena went pitch black. And when the lights finally came back on, and you heard Alice, the opening riff of Alistair Black's theme song. When the lights came back on, there sat Alistair Black in his signature cross-legged pose. The Dutch Destroyer's first appearance since being attacked months ago. As the entire Full Sail Live erupted in shock, Black pointed at Cross, NXT's twisted sister who claims to know the identity of Black's assailants. Assailant, and then they had in parentheses the S, assailants. She crawled, she told him, he pretty much like had her move over close to him. She crawls to him and whispered, and she pretty much, and he, that, he, that had an intense stare that I love from Black so much. The intensity in his face. And everybody, and then the crowd just was just trying to get like you know everybody to shut up so they can hear what uh, Black had to say, and all he said was, "Tell me." Cross then crawls over to Black, tells him who it was, and then Nikki Cross crawls back, and you start to see the the anger. Boil over Alistair Black. I love like 
Alistair Black's character is just amazing in itself. And for Alistair to show that kind of, like, the way he showed that emotion came across fantastically. I was so, I mean, you come back after all these months of, you know, being hurt and being attacked. You come back, you finally find out who attacked you. And the anger just poured over him, shaking in anger. Nikki Cross is pretty much crawling away and, you know, reacting to what she had told him. And in the end, you just see Alistair Black just stand up, still shaking with anger. And that ends NXT. Now, I know that they had their, like I said before, they had their tapings. I unfortunately, goddamn spoilers. Every time I try to get news articles and try to get results for these shows and talk about them, I come across spoilers by accident. And I unfortunately found out who attacked Alistair Black. Unfortunately, it wasn't Cassius Ono. I'm so pissed off that they didn't pull push Cassius Ono. But I know that they're trying to have the thing with Matt Riddle, so that makes sense. But I'm a, I'm hoping this week they start. I'm sure for I'm for sure they'll begin their build. This is their now final push towards War Games. The last few episodes we have until War Games this uh, next month. I'm sure it's like in the middle of November or something like that. And now going into that, I'm excited. I mean, for who they had, for who they picked as the assailant, it makes sense. It does make sense. It really does. And we'll find out together. But I'm kind of, I'm kind of butthurt with myself that I, you know, didn't vet it properly and I didn't check it out properly. But I mean, you know, now we're gonna have war games. I'm sure this match that Alistair Black is gonna have with his the assailant is going to be absolutely epic. We are gonna be blessed with a possible top 10 match of the year candidate. And I'm sure now, you know, this feud is going to go into absolute over-fucking-drive. This was a good show. To say the least, I mean, we had the NXT tag titles between the War Games and Undisputed Era. I'm sure that's going to lead to a possible War Games match, maybe between the two or in, in the cage itself. I'm hoping this time around with War Games, they actually have a closed cage. That would just be something that would just make sense. I think this time around, after last year's deal with the Undisputed Era... Sanity, and then um, Officer Pain and Roderick Strong, which was fucking awesome, by the way. And if you still haven't seen that match, go back and watch that show, uh, Take Over War Games, because that was fucking nuts. I'm hoping this time around, they actually do a closed cage, and then have whoever they're going to have in there. And it excites me, going forward. We then, Of course, so I'm, gonna, I'm willing to, interested to see what the tag team uh, title situation is going to be between War Raiders an undisputed era. Of course, Sheena Baszler making her presence known, destroying uh, Britt Baker with that stomp to the elbow. Only lurking Danny Birch, you know, showcasing their skills and you know making themselves relevant in the tag team division. I kind of want to see a Lorcan Birch Street Profits feud for some reason. I think once Street Profits end the feud with the Mighty, and I'm hoping that ends sooner or later. Maybe within this next uh, set of tapings, we're going to be getting. St- I'm hope I'm thinking starting when this coming Wednesday. That we get like a Street Profits, Logan Birchfield. It'll just be it'll just be something different between the two, two teams. You know the contrasting styles of Birch and Lorkin. You know with their hard hitting style, with their strong style, with the flashiness, flamboyancy of you know Montez Ford and Angelo Dawkins and the Street Profits. That would just be something, you know, something I would like to see. I don't know if it's gonna happen. I I don't I can't get into the minds of the. NXT created team, but hey, I'm not going to try to, you know, do their job because what they're doing on NXT is fantastic, including, you know, the Aleister Black moment with Nikki Cross. Black finally finds out who did it, and hopefully that starts this coming Wednesday, and I'm very excited to see what they're going to do going forward as we now head into War Games with a few weeks left until TakeOver. Now we get into the quarterfinals of the May Young Classic, and this was definitely one of the better episodes. Well, it could have been one of the better episodes of the tournament with the unfortunate injury to um, Tegan Knox, but we'll definitely get into that as we go on. But they started off the night with Lacey Lane and Mako Satamura, and this was definitely a match I was looking forward to of the four. It was not the match I was looking forward to, but it was one of 
the four. And uh, they started the match, of course. Collar and elbow tie up. Tanamura uh, hossing Lane into the ropes. Went for a kick that got blocked. Forearm gets ducked. Lacey slips away, and Mako catches her with a side headlock. Um, they shoot off uh, the ropes. Shoulder block drops down. Uh, with a handspring, Lane then returns the favor with a shoulder block, ducks a few kicks from Sadamura, and Sadamura caught one in return, lets her down, and lets her down. Uh, after the whole exchange, uh, Sadamura offered a handshake to Lacey, but Lacey actually smacked it away and starts going after her with some chest kicks. So, this would definitely be some foreshadowing going forward in this match. Um, a little later on in the match, Lacey dodged some punches from Mako. I've Sadamura had, for a majority of the match, did have um, a, a majority. Like she definitely took control of the match um, between the two. And that, that was definitely shown with a fireman's carry. Lane slipped out, uh, sidesteps a stomp, uh, go, hits an up kick, and goes for a t- gets only gets a two count. We see uh, Mako uh, getting up from the waist lock. She gets a standing switch. Lacey slips under and hits a kick combo, but no. Uh, gets thrown off the ropes. Uh, Connects with a bust-style roundhouse kick. Uh, goes into an arm bar, but Lane keeps her hands collapsed and soon enough gets to the ropes. Um, Mako continues uh, remaining in charge of the match. Hits some chest kicks. A nice snap suplex, which Sadamura definitely hits a damn good suplex. And I'm, well, I always like to see a nice little suplex there. Uh, Lacey dodges a few punches, lays a couple forearms down, gets in the corner, lined her up, and charging in with a huge jumping knee. Um, the, she then gets a double jump, a springboard into a cro- turning crossbody, and that only got a two count. Uh, in the end, Sadamura catches her, hits a roundhouse kick, picks her up in a fireman's carry, and hits her with the Death Valley driver for the three count and the victory. Sadamura goes on to the semifinals of the Mae Young Classic. A nice little run for Lacey Lane, like I said before, showing you know that WWE definitely sees something in her, especially they signed her, and now having her go into the the quarterfinals of the tournament shows that hopefully going forward, Lacey Lane is going to be one of those ladies to definitely make some waves in NXT whenever her time to come on TV comes around. So Mar- now, Sadamura, uh, Baker Barton, actually goes on to the semifinals. The next match we got here between Deanna Perrazzo and Io Shirai. And this was the match right after Lacey Lane and Sadamura that was definitely kick ass. It was one of those matches I was not expecting in the bracket. I didn't know that Shirai and Peraza would meet, but once I figured it out, I'm like, oh man, they're gonna go with Peraza Shirai. Excuse me. Yeah, I was excited. It started off actually with a test of strength, and that was pretty cool to see. I don't, you don't really see a test of strength often with the ladies, so to see that. Definitely got me interested. Uh, Peraza turned that into a wrist lock, reversed it into a side headlock. Then uh, a reverse to a top list, a wrist lock, then into a side headlock. Shirai shoots her off, uh, but she gets knocked down with a shoulder block, drops down, handspring off the ropes, total world, head scissors. But Eve, of course, like the Brookside match uh, that she had in uh, the first round, she lands on her, she pretty much lands on her feet, goes down, and of course, does her little uh, kip up there. Crowd started getting into it big time. Uh, she sidestepped the handspring. Um, of course, the drop kick knocks Deanna to the floor. Shanna fires up, goes off the ropes and hit a suicide cross body. I believe that was through the second ropes. Uh, they both land hard into the steel ramp, and that was really a crazy moment, especially with the Knox Ripley match uh, that came soon after. This definitely uh, kind of concerned me a little bit, especially with the, the way they both hit hard on the floor. Uh, Shirai gets her back inside, goes for a count, only gets a two count off that, gets a scoop and a slam, uh, and of course, hits her handstand knee drop, uh, that's only good for a two count, hits a few kicks, uh, the, both of them trade uh, pins a couple times, uh, a schoolboy for a small package, a jackknife for a victory roll, but uh, EO popped out of that, and actually you get a stomp to the arm, so that was really nice to see, and it was a really nice to see these two really going after it with each other. I know they were having 25-minute uh, time limit, which really didn't make sense since it's an hour-long show. But, hey, beggars can't be choosers. So they followed up. Uh, more stomps to the arm. A big forearm strike. More forearms in the corner. But uh, Perazzo then fought back, and we and they start going at it, punching the fuck out of each other. It was a re- really nice to see them to go at it like this. Um uh, there was a hip toss there into a back. Of course, Perazzo hits the backhand spring into a drop kick, and the both have to uh, go into reset, going in towards the middle of the match. 
at this point, I was like, how can they do more? How much more can they do with this? Um, once they both recovered, uh, Perrazzo hits a couple kick combos into a Russian leg sweep right into the Fujiwara armbar right in the middle of the ring. I think she was trying to go for both arms at one point, but she gets the, uh, she locks in the Fujiwara armbar. Shirai fights a little bit, screaming in pain. Uh, somehow gets the rolling, rolled up into a pain to escape the hold. I uh, actually got a two count out of that. Uh, the, it was an arm trap reverse, chin lock takedown. Deanna escaped with a pin herself, but they rise back up. Uh, Shirai hits a huge shote that Juice and Thunder Liar would be damn proud of. Hits a, a tiger faint kick that connects into a springboard drop kick. No. Uh, a, a leg pick, a giant step. Io goes up into the corner. Barrazo cuts her off. Uh, they try to jockey for position. Um, a nice little kick to the arm and uh, a set of three. German suplexes by Perrazzo. That only got a near fall, but she goes right back into the Fujiwara armbar um, on the kickout. It was very nice to see her chain wrestling going from the German suplexes, gets the near fall, but goes right into the armbar. It was very clean, very nice to see. She was wrenching it in. Uh, Shirai was wavering, almost nearly tapped out at one point, but then rolls into a pin to break up the account again. Um, Shirai then hits it, uh, goes for the arm trap crossface of her own. She locks that in. Deanna gets out, but gets a knee to the head in the process. Down and out in the corner, goes for those uh, double knees that Kyrie Sane would be impressed with. Hits that, uh, steps over her, goes for the giant step, pops off the top, and hits the Aisai moonsault for the three, cramp, three count. I beg your pardon, and gets the victory and moving on to the semifinals. Man. I mean, if you hadn't seen the match, this was definitely a great match to watch. I would watch this again. I may watch this again uh, before I hit the gym today. So that was uh, that was the most impressive match to me of the night. I was going to say Lacey Lane and Sadamora was going to be matching the night. These two put on a fucking show. And considering the fact that they're both of them going to be involved in the PC, I'm hoping somewhere down the line these two meet again because I think if they got a bit more time, they would definitely show up and show out if they ever got a feud somewhere down the line in NXT. We then get into Rhea Ripley taking on Tegan Knox. Um, I'm not really going to talk much about the match because there isn't much to talk about. But uh, going off the notes from uh, K-Side Seats that I'm looking at here, uh, Knox started off with a drop kick, goes off the ropes, hits a suicide dive. Um, she can't... like. She literally started off fast and furious, got that drop kick. Ray uh, Ripley goes to the outside, hits that suicide dive, and immediately lands on her knee. Uh, I did read the tweet. Uh, I heard the retweet that she had um, spoke about. Um, she pretty much, ex- her knee exploded. MCL injury, ACL injury. Uh, the kneecap, I believe, dislocated, she said, but it popped right back. Uh, it did pop back in. Um, yeah, pretty much hurt, like, kind of like the Joey Janela injury where he uh, went across body off the top, a move that he's done hundreds of times. And just it was just that one instance where his knee literally exploded, and he's now out for close to a year. I believe somewhere in between eight months to a year he's going to be out. And then Tegan Knox coming back from the injury that she had last year and not being able to compete in the Mae Young Classic and then hurting her other knee, the good knee, and is having her knee explode. And it got to, I think at one point after the whole, after where she landed on Rhea Ripley, I think, it, I mean, they, I think she grabbed uh, Ripley's head and I guess, and usually sometimes they, um, when it's you and opponent in the ring, I said, I'm not a professional wrestler at all. I'm just a guy who talks about pro wrestling, you know, from my perspective. But it looked as if at one point, Knox held Rhea Ripley's uh, head and looked as if to say, I'm hurt, I'm hurt, my knee, my knee. I mean, I could be wrong. I'm not exactly sure. I'm I'm just thinking of what if I were in the ring, I would actually, you know, let my, let your opponent know, hey, I'm hurt, I'm hurt. You know, I'm going to try to go work this through and see where we go. Um, She did come up lane, hobbled up a bit, gingerly made her way to the still step. She actually was tended to on the outside by uh, the referee, Aubrey Edwards. um, But she said she was going to try to continue. She says, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to continue. 
Uh, so for her to even fight on with a blown out knee, that was impressive in and of itself. Um, Ripley then uh, goes for a press drop and just drops it to the ground. Of course, landing on that knee. Trainers then, uh, I mean, the referee uh, was already working on the match. Trainers then comes out um, during the match. Uh, she checks on Tegan, but she says she's good to go. She says, I can't, I heard her say, I can't do this again. And I think it was at that point she said, I can't do this again, meaning, you know, I don't, I can't go through this, you know, injury shit again. Um, she tried to take some life into it, but Rhea actually knocked it out from under her. Um, clubbing blow, choking her over the ropes, knocks recovered, firing chops off, uh, runs into ropes, but she ran into a drop kick from Ripley. And at that point, Edwards had no choice. She threw the X up, called for the bell, and that was pretty much it. Um, Rhea Ripley moves on to the semifinals, take on Io Shirai. Um, from what I, I mean, I, I believe it was JD from my two hundred six podcast. He said he heard news that Tegan Knox was actually supposed to win that match and move on to face Io Shirai. So it was supposed to be Shirai versus Knox and Sadamura versus the winner of of Mia Yim and Tony Storm. That was the final four. So it's an unfortunate injury to Tegan Knox, especially her coming back from last year's injury, her ACL injury, to come back and be, you know, supposed to be in the quarterfinal, uh, the semifinals, I should say, and unfortunately blowing out her knee in the process. I mean, it's, it's professional wrestling. You know, for those who have done, I mean, one of my, uh, people, one of my friends I've worked with, he actually trained in wrestling. So I'm sure he definitely feels for Tegan Knox. You know, anybody who's, who's doing this business and any person who's not, but watch the product, you know, they never want to see an injury go down during a match. I mean, there were so many, so many instances where injuries have happened. There have been talk, uh, stories about deaths happening in the ring. I, mean, I believe there was one last year that I believe, I think Rey Mysterio unfortunately was involved where a wrestler did die in the ring during a match in Mexico. Injuries are going to happen. You don't want them to happen. You want the wrestlers, you know, to go through a full match unscathed. There's going to be some bumps and bruises, but you never want a participant especially in, in the May Young Classic, to go down for this. I mean, it, it's, it's definitely, it definitely does suck for Tegan Knox, especially, come, like I said, coming back from the injury that she had last year and then have it taken away again does suck. And um, we, know that, we know that it happened back in August. Uh, we wish for, I do wish for a speedy recovery for Tegan Knox. Hopefully she starts her physical training very soon and can get back in the ring as soon as possible because we definitely want to see her an NXT ring, especially if they're going to be doing the women's tag team stuff. Uh, they're going to have tag team championships. I would have loved to see her and Dakota Kai team up together. They have been doing some stuff on the live event circuit. Um, team Fly Kicks, that would have been definitely nice to see those two. So um, I wish the very best for Tegan Knox on behalf of the you know myself, the Wrestling With Issues gang and all that stuff. Uh, a speedy recovery for Tegan Knox. Ray Ripley now goes uh, now will go up against Io Shirai with a berth in the finals on the line. And that should be an interesting matchup for in and of itself. I know Ripley now has to, I mean, I saw her mannerisms, you know, after, you know, she was declared the winner and she had to do her heel-like thing. But I'm sure when she got backstage, she was definitely upset, you know, definitely hurting for Tegan Knox. And a lot of people definitely were. I this, I know this isn't the last stop for Knox. I'm hopefully, I mean, for certain that Knox will definitely be doing something when she returns, hopefully with NXT UK and of course NXT going forward. But we uh, get to the main event of the night, which was Mia Yim and Tony Storm going one-on-one with a berth in the semifinals on the line. I'm glad they made this the main event. It was definitely a kick-ass match from beginning to end. Uh, they start off, of course, with a collar and a tie-up. Yim, Yim hits a knee lift, a clubbing blow, kick to the mix session, and a chest kick to follow. Storm finds herself down and out early in the corner. Mia then follows up with a kick. Uh, warned off by referee Daryl Sharma as she was chopping her in the rope. So she starts chopping her in the ropes instead. Uh, Irish whip and then a big boot from Tony into a running knee in the corner for only a one count. And that was nice. That was a nice little fast paced way to start off the match. Stomps to the head, palm strikes, a rolling soul, but uh, it's a snap suplex. Only two, but Storm was running hot during this match. She then starts going after the injured hand, stomping on the hand itself and forcing him to go into the ropes. Hits a couple big uppercuts. Mia then reverses the follow-up and kicks Tony's arm really hard, forcing her into the corner and starts putting the boots to her. Sharma then warns her off again. So she gets the two 
off a folding press. Uh, starts to lock a sleeper hold in. Storm then fights to her feet and out with elbows, but gets slammed to the mat right, slam back down to the mat. Uh, kick, kick to the ribs and only again gets a two count, but Mia follows it up with a deathlock bow and arrow, and that was so clean to see. Very, very nice um, from Mia Yim to show off. I mean, both showing off both their talents. It's definitely nice to see Mia Yim and Tony Storm kicking ass on that. Uh, heading towards the end of the match, though, uh, transitioning to chest kicks, uh, got a axe kick to the shoulder, I believe, from uh, Mia Yim. Uh, went for the two count, no. Uh, palm strikes and kicks from Mia, gets a Pele kick to end the exchange, and only got a two count. We start getting seen uh, leg kicks, gets a big boot, a desperation headbutt from Tony Storm. Both women are down and out. Uh, they both get back up. They're slugging it out forearm for forearm, chop for chop on their knees, rising to their feet. They're just beating the hell out of each other. Uh, Storm catches a kick and locks that, gets that into the leg trap German suplex. She then uh, lines up and runs and gets hits the running hip attack. Uh, goes, for, I believe she was going for Storm Zero. That gets blocked and she and uh, Yim gets a Saito suplex off. Goes for a uh, pinfall and gets a two count out of that. Um, up and over on the charge. Mia then catches a kick, losses her up and hits the Tenryu power bomb. And that only got a two point nine on the count. Um, she sets Storm up for Soul Food. Storm gets out of the Storm grabs the bad hand of Mia Yim. And that's enough time for her to uh, set her up for a German suplex, applies the underhooks, and Tony Storm hits Storm Zero, gets the three count and the victory as she moves on to the May Young Classic semifinals. This was a damn good episode episode of the May Young Classic with the unfortunate case by Tegan Knox um, injuring her good knee. Um, other than that, the show was really fucking good. I really loved this tournament. Unfortunately, this will be the last set of, uh, I guess, four matches per episode. Um, this coming Wednesday, we're going to get the semifinals. It's going to be Mako Satomura versus Tony Storm. And then you have Rhea Ripley versus Io Shirai with a birth in the Mae Young Classic Finals at Evolution on the line. Um, I think I think they're gonna. There's probably gonna be like maybe a few tag matches just to showcase the talent from the tournament. Maybe some NXT women, you know, from the, the NXT women's main roster. I guess I would say it might be in the episode. Who knows what's gonna happen? But that's your review from the May Young Classic. A great night of action with an unfortunate, with a little bit of a hindrance from Tegan Knox. Um, I'm excited to see how they do Sadamura Storm and how they're gonna do Ripley Shirai. It's it's a lot of styles. Um, I'm expecting a lot of strong style from Storm and um, Sanamura, given the fact that, you know, Storm has worked in progress where they're all about strong style as well. Sanamura coming from the Josie Strong style in Japan. That's probably going to be the one of the best matchups we see from this tournament. Um, the, style of Shira, uh, the style of Shirai, of course, the genius of the sky, working going up against uh, Rhea Ripley, who's basically just in your face, aggressive that mosh pit mentality when she steps in the ring as she says i'm I'm curious to see how they make this match going forward i'm sure they're gonna get a lot of time given the fact that there it's just two more matches until we get to the million classic final either way i'm excited to see what they're gonna do this wednesday night and that is your may young classic review for the quarterfinals Well, guys, that's going to be it for episode 16 of the Young Lions Perspective. I want to thank you guys so much for taking time out of your day, your night, your afternoon, your brunch, your late night when you're coming home from work. Whatever time you listen to this podcast, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to check out the episode. If you enjoy what you heard, do not hesitate to post this on your social media to tell a friend to tell a friend about the Young Lions Perspective and that we are an alternative to the professional wrestling podcast you hear out there sucking the WWE cock. You hear me? And giving you a definite, fresh perspective on professional wrestling as a whole and that we are here to stay. Guys, if you do not check me out on the Anchor app or if you want to find me on a different platform, you can listen to me on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, CastBox, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, Stitcher Radio, and of course that good old Spotify fam. Just search for the Young Lions Perspective and you should have no problem finding it whatsoever. And of course, any platforms that are willing to take on the Young Lions Perspective, I will let you guys know as soon as I know because that's how we get down. I will be live tweeting tonight on Raw. I will be live tweeting for SmackDown and more than likely I'll be uh, live tweeting 
for uh, NXT and the Mae Young Classic. Not NXT UK. That actually comes out around around the time I actually get out of work, so I won't be able to live tweet whatsoever, but I will be catching the show and talking about it this week. But if you want to follow me on social media, I am on Twitter at Suede Senator WWI and on Instagram at Suede underscore Senator underscore WWI. You can keep up with the show as a whole and just follow me on my day-to-day basis whenever I feel like doing a story on Instagram. Coming up this week, more than likely, I'm gonna. Uh, luckily for me, I have off this weekend from work. Thank you, Randy Savage, Jesus. Thank you, Randy Savage, gods of the wrestling. Greatly appreciate you giving me time to have the weekend off because I will be talking about this Friday, my Evolution preview and predictions. Yes, we will be talking about the monstrosity of an all-women's pay-per-view that is Evolution, and, more, and we'll probably more than likely be talking about NXT UK and any other breaking news that happens during the week. Um, Saturday, I'm going to be pushing for talking about, of course, the latest episode of NXT, the fallout from Aleister Black, now knowing who attacked him over the past couple of months, and now we know who is who. The fallout from that, of course, the Mae Young Classic, the semifinals between Sadamura and Storm, and Rhea Ripley and Io Shirai. Those should be great matchups to keep an eye on, guys. Of course, like I said, follow me on social media. Follow my social media. Keep your head up, guys. Have a great week. Have a great day. And we'll be talking soon. See ya!